welcome to the Go Within podcast. My name is Yasmin. Thank you for joining me today. I really appreciate every single one of you listening out there. This episode is a little bit of a different one. Usually I interview people about their Go Within journeys, but this episode I'm sitting down again with my sister Amber, who you'll remember from a previous episode, which if you haven't checked out, please do because she's beautiful. But we basically just came back from our three and a half day retreat at the Bahri Oasis and we were both so inspired, touched, moved by what went down. And it's really hard to convey that in an Instagram post or Facebook page. So we said, why don't we sit down and yeah, just share our experiences about it. And of course we want to promote our retreat, but that's not the reason why we're sitting down. I genuinely want to just pass on the beauty of what went down because the fruits of the inner journey are just so high and so much further beyond a lot of the things that we're used to getting pleasure from and after the last episode where I sat down with Carl and we discussed his recovery from addiction we really mentioned how much that spiritual connection and that opportunity to transform is such a key part of our inner journey So I hope this episode will inspire you to invest in your own journey of inner transformation in whatever shape or form that that may look like. Maybe it's a retreat with someone else. Maybe it's a retreat with us. Either way, I'm going to be happy if I can inspire you to seek an experience that is going to connect you with the depth of your own being. Because honestly, there is nothing quite so satisfying as having that experience yourself and honestly for me now being able to give that experience to others is really just something that I love doing so here it is me and Amber post-retreat powwow (laughs) enjoy (laughs) so welcome everyone full disclosure we're not really quite sure what we're going to talk about today but uh, I'm here with Amber say hello hello (laughs) hopefully you can hear our voices apart we just came back from our Sanya retreat, which we had last weekend, and we got inspired to share some of the stories and inspirations that we had on this retreat because it really was truly wonderful. And yeah, we just want to share what went down and some of our main inspirations and takeaways from the retreat. So, so where do we start? So where do we start? <laughs> so just for those who don't know too much about our retreats, what we do is we take three and a half days. So we meet Friday, uh, Thursday after work, you know, post five o'clock and we finish Sunday lunch. And we spend these days at the Bahri Oasis, which is an amazing permaculture farm in nature. And we've curated the whole experience with all of the best things that we've experienced in our life that gave us a lot of transformation. Yeah, in fact, it's always really funny because before the retreat, both Yaz and I are always actually really excited to go there just for ourselves because it's basically three and a half days of all the things that we love the most. So, In fact, the retreat did me a world of good because (laughs) before we left, I was a little bit too much in work mode. You know, sometimes you just get a little bit too caught up in what you're doing and even though you know you should take a break, you don't because you just, it's just too easy not to stop. Yeah, and I think there's an addiction in, you know, like the hormones that are involved in the stress of working and all of that. It's oh like my God. We, 
Totally. Once you're in that flow, you just want to keep going, even though really what your body needs and what your mind needs too is just to take a bit of a breather for a few Yeah, days. in fact, I brought my laptop with me because I thought, you know, maybe I'll have some time to work. I, I actually did too. I know. I just it's crazy. It's actually crazy. And in fact, I, I pulled it out for five minutes just before everyone came because I needed to finish off some stuff. But luckily, I literally did not touch it for the whole weekend. And even though I felt a bit hard to leave the task that I was sort of in the flow with it it really did me a world of good I feel so much better this week than last week and you probably actually came back with more energy to then put into all of those things that you were working on no? yeah definitely I re- it really did me a world of good yeah. <laughs> so that's nice <laughs> nice bonus mm-hmm. I think um something interesting to talk about is the fact that everyone always asks us before the retreat when people are interested to come on the retreat is what's the schedule oh yeah and we're super notorious for never giving out the schedule and uh, maybe you want to share a little bit about our thinking why we do that well i think it's just a lot to do with the fact that we tend to be best when we're winging it when we're completely um well not completely but we improvise a lot so in other words we we have a set of tools we know what are the workshops and tools that we want to share with people but because we don't know the energy of the people who are coming the state that they're in the background and all of that uh, if we set a schedule from beforehand it might not end up fitting actually the people that are there and what they really need so we know what we want to share but we wait until we meet them um, to then decide what's what's gonna best help them and actually it's not like we meet them and then we're like okay so and then we have a secret discussion and we're like okay so <laughs> friday we'll do this saturday we'll do this sunday we'll do this we tend to be like okay what are we going to do just in the morning and then after the morning passes okay what are we going to do this afternoon because also each workshop or each session that we have can drastically change the state that not just the guests but we ourselves are in so yeah, I think improvising is, is something we do best and um, I think it works. It works well. Yeah, and it's really interesting because this time we didn't do one of the flagship workshops that we usually do, which is breath work. Mm-hmm. And in fact, in our first retreat, that was the most, I think probably one of the most powerful things that the guests experience. And it's funny because this time I just felt it from before that maybe we're not going to do it this time. Mm-hmm. But... On another hand, you sort of think, well, you know, in past retreats, that's been the thing that really impacted people the most. But we really listened to that inner feeling. In fact, we didn't do the breath work. And I think this last retreat was possibly the deepest that uh, we've gone. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree for sure. And I'm glad, actually, that we didn't do the breath work because for this particular group that we had, I just didn't feel it was necessary. I think they went really deep in other ways that more suited them, you know. Um, so each group is going to bring its own its own vibe and its own needs as well. Yeah, I think this time there was the subtle the subtle techniques worked very well. And it's different exactly as you said with each group. Sometimes the group wants experiences that are a little bit more shocking, a little bit more out of the norm. Catharsis. Yeah, the real, <laughs> you know, the, the moving and shaking kind of uh, workshops. But then this retreat, the subtle vibration was actually the thing that was the deepest, which is really beautiful because in a way that's what we both enjoy the most. Definitely. It's like those 
Yeah, like the tea ceremony, for example, is just such a beautiful technique. And I'm so grateful to you for bringing it into my life. Mm -hmm. And in fact, when you first got inspired, I was thinking tea, you know, really? (laughs) I I was thinking I already have so many tools. Like, Do I need another one, Mm -hmm. really? And yeah, I just thought, yeah, it sounds cool, but it can't really be, you know, earth shattering. Mm -hmm. But it really is. It's so amazing. It's a difficult thing to to describe. So many times when I host the tea ceremony, people ask me from beforehand because obviously in Malta we're not really used to seeing a, a, a sort of someone promoting a tea ceremony, and um, so people are always curious and they ask me, and it's something I find really difficult to describe because it's so subtle, like you're saying. Um, I don't know if it's our yearning for ritual or what, whatever it is, but somehow uh, there's very, very often at least sort of three or four people crying <laughs> towards the end of the ceremony. And I, I mean it that in the most beautiful way, that there's something deeply moving about it. Um, but it's really something very, very simple. That's when you tell them, ah, oh, we're just going to sit together in silence and drink a few cups of tea. You think, all right, I mean, how can that be anything special? But somehow, I think with the power of intention, the quality of the teas and just us coming together in that silence and holding each other in that way, something really deep happens that even I can't explain. Yeah, you actually got me thinking because you said on the retreat how after the last tea ceremony we did, which was so powerful. I mean, I was in tears. Everyone was in tears. It was just so moving. And you said at the end, like the ri- the ritual and the intention is so powerful that possibly even if we were just drinking hot water, we'd have gone to the same depth. Mm-hmm. And that actually got me thinking, and I was questioning it quite a bit. I was thinking like, I was trying to imagine how that would be. And I came to the conclusion, and you might disagree with me, that there is just something about the tea itself. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't disagree at all, actually. Uh-huh. I agree. This, I don't know what it is, I, whether it's the age of the tea or the way they prepare the tea. I mean, for those of you listening who haven't experienced it, the tea is not just, it's not Tetley's tea. It's like really special tea that is grown from sea to the end, you know, with full devotion. And it's just like, these trees, these leaves are trees that are thousands year, of years old. And you really feel that it's like that earth energy that ancient earth energy you feel like it's coming to you mm-hmm. and i think that really plays a big part in the the state that you seem to manage to drop into yeah i definitely agree i mean as i was saying those words i was thinking there's truth in this but not completely i do think that the power of intention is incredibly powerful and if we sat down for all of our meals and for really anything that we do with that intention to transform or to shift something radically then it will be there but I definitely agree the tea itself plays a really big role and I think it's partly because um, it tea has caffeine in it right which is stimulating but because we're drinking it in such a calm environment there's this sort of calm and awake feeling which is the perfect state you want to be in for meditation and ceremony and then like you said i mean these teas have been grown knowing that they're going to be drank in a ceremony so from the person who's planting that first seed to the person who's tending to the trees harvesting processing shipping the the sellers you know everyone involved in that process 
is in that same intention. And I think that has a very subtle but very powerful um, addition as well. Definitely. And I think on the retreat, you know, you come to the tea ceremony after having slept at the oasis for a night, because we always do it first thing in the morning. And waking up at the oasis is just, you're already sort of in that connection to nature. You're already feeling very peaceful and in a good state. And then the tea is just like, boom. Yeah. <laughs> it's really just... It's like you're ready to pop. And yeah, you're ready is to just pop. The last is. thing that you need. Yeah, it's really amazing, I have to say. Yeah, well, this is why, like I said, we we ourselves are always really looking forward to being there because I think we, as a society, tend to be so cut off from nature, and yet we are nature. You know, we didn't we didn't just drop into this world from the ether. We were born. We we came literally through the world. And we have all of those same minerals in our bodies and we can't separate ourselves. And yet our We're society... We've tried pretty hard. <laughs> exactly, we've tried pretty hard. Um, and so when we take that time to just remind ourselves who we really are, that we are animals working, walking on this earth, but with a heavenly capacity at the same time, when we have that reminder, I, I don't know, there's just a deep deep healing that can come through and it doesn't even need to be a specific healing of some trauma that we've been carrying it can just be a very sort of soothing balm to our everyday neuroses of living this technological kind of crazy life yeah. the connection itself is just so healing and um, actually one of the retreat participants said something which really stuck in my head and it really touched me and she said, just after the tea ceremony, she said, I feel like on this retreat, I've experienced myself to a new depth. That I didn't even realize that I was living life in a, in a sort of shallow relationship with my own self. Mm -hmm. And through this retreat, I've actually experienced my own depth. And now I want to go forward from that space. And I think that is, you know, if I tried to, I made an effort to remember those words because that really sums it up and that's actually what go within is all about it's like go within experience your own self to a deeper level and then move forward in your life from that depth i don't know i feel like depth is something really funny in my depth depth <laughs> depth yes thank you um yeah just like let's live from a, that deeper place but it's not always easy to get in touch with that space especially no. yeah, this is why i love retreats because that immersion yeah, it ripens you so then you're just like ready to pop and really go there and experience it and enjoy it whereas when I teach people meditation you know in a weekly class or it's just not the same mm -hmm. preparation that has been done to allow us to go to that deeper yeah. level I think partly because it takes time you know I mean if you think about over all the years that we've been alive so far how much of that time have we spent you know in the rat race or in traffic or in you know technological overload or whatever all the things that we're not naturally supposed to be doing how much time have we spent doing that and then we think in one 20 minute meditation we're gonna find enlightenment <laughs> you know we we need to also 10 minutes. 10 minutes exactly even faster um <laughs> we need to allow ourselves a bit of time and space to kind of slowly open sometimes i think you know, when you're walking in the street, there's so much noise and there's so much noise in social media and the, the world has become a noisy place. And I think to cope with that, we all have a bit of this protective kind of tension. We're walking around with tension and we're walking around 
in a little bubble to try and keep ourselves calm in the sort of madness of this fast-paced life. So when we then decide to take a few days and go out into nature, it it's a slow unfurling of that kind of protective bubble that we've built up. It doesn't just pop off and suddenly, oh, okay, we're here and everything's perfect. You know, it takes time and that's why sleeping there on the land and taking that time to allow our ears to get used to the silence and the bird song. We're not used to that anymore, you know. Um, so there's, there's no rush and we need to sort of prioritize that and allow ourselves the time because it does take a bit of time. Definitely. And I think one, one of the things that I really love about the retreat and it felt very acute this time is the the fact that when you open yourself in this kind of setting right so it's a safe space to open up and be, be vulnerable and i think all of our retreat guests have felt that that safety maybe to more or less degrees but when you do open up like the bond that has been created by when you see someone opening up you just can't help love them to such a deep level and it's it's weird that you've only known people for three days actually I don't know it's just the connection is really deep in fact it's so funny because one of the first things we do on the retreat is in our opening circle we address something called the archetypes of shadow and light and maybe you can go into a bit more detail on this in a moment um, but the, the beautiful thing about it is that we're kind of brought face to face with both our, um, what's the word I'm looking for, potential, our, our light, our potential, and also our faults or shadow or whatever. And in that, there's a deep bonding because we spend so much of our time trying to hide our shadows, not only from others, but even from ourselves out of shame. But as soon as we actually have the courage to look at that part of ourselves and say, okay, this is a part of me, all we see in each other is beauty. So it's ironic that we spend so much time hiding when actually, if you have the courage to bear that, everyone around you is actually going to love you even more because you have that courage to just be yourself whether that's with light, with shadow, with, in <laughs> yeah. whatever state you are, you know, and yes. I think that's a big part of the bonding that we experience. Definitely, and in fact, um, I think one of the, the amazingly beautiful parts of our retreat is that when we do this circle where we pick, we each pick a light and a shadow, you and me and Marisa, who is the chef on the retreat, we all pick the cards too. And it's funny because every retreat I resist it just a little bit and I'm like, oh, <laughs> as a host, it maybe feels a little bit more scary to be vulnerable because people have trusted you to be a figure of authority and you're guiding them. And it's, you're supposed to be perfect. You're supposed to have it all figured out and be, be t- totally perfect. So I always just resisted that little bit, um, but I'm always so glad that we do. Because first of all, I got a lot of inspiration from my cards that the message to me was just spot on as it was for everyone yeah, same for me but also it creates that sense of trust that like hey we're all in this together we're not pretending to be enlightened or that we're any better or different we're all in this together as students of life and actually the best teacher is just showing you how to be the best student really not modeling itself as some perfect teacher but like this is how to be a good student yeah and, i couldn't uh, agree more yeah i think um you know, it's really great that we go through that resistance every time. Mm-hmm. And, and also, we, funnily enough, 
always take a lot of healing from this retreat as well you know although like you said we're meant to be sort of the, the authority figure and having had it all sorted out in a way this retreat is very humbling because on the one hand we're in a powerful position where we're sharing these tools because yes we've been on this journey now many years but it's also humbling because it reminds us that we're never really there yet there's always more in fact it's it's uh, very far from there <laughs> very very far from there no but what's funny in my case is that in this last retreat i actually picked the exact same shadow card that i did at the last retreat seven months earlier it wasn't actually the last one it was the one before because the last one was the december one you didn't pick it for that one it was the it was the one in october, october. that you picked oh. it well, either way, you know, and as soon as I saw it, and, and you recognized it before I even I know, did, you were like, it's the same one. I remember that card. Like, that card was very intense. Yes. The first time you picked it, it was very vulnerable because it's also where you're at with a pattern. Like when you're still a bit in that chaos of like, well, I haven't figured this out. It's a lot harder to sort of share about it than when you've at least kind of made some room for improvement. Yes. In so fact, it was a lot easier this time. But when you point at, pointed out, oh, it's the exact same card, the first thing I felt was shame because it, it felt, ah, I've obviously made no progress <laughs> over the last seven months. If I, you know, but actually it's, it's our patterns are very often like an onion. We were saying you know, on the retreat where at one point you're ready to take off one layer and then maybe several months later you're ready to take a deeper look at that same issue but from another perspective and that's exactly what happened this time as I read the description of the card I resonated with different parts of it um, but so anyway, it's, uh, it's definitely a healing um, process for us as well and, and I think it's really good for the guests to see us going through our own process as well and, and to kind of share that it doesn't need to be a super scary, overwhelming thing. We can talk about things openly and sort of clear out the cobwebs and that makes life actually a lot more lighter. Yeah, definitely. And I have to say, like the way you shared that card just showed how much progress you have made with that particular pattern because the first time you read it, the first time you picked it, I don't think you really, I I don't think you really sort of, accepted too much you were kind of like oh maybe this Uh is me maybe this is not but no i mean i knew completely it was accurate but i was the first time yes okay but i was very shaken up by it because it It was was too accurate (laughs) exactly it was too accurate and having worked on that pattern over the last few months looking at it now i was a bit at first like oh man like the same thing (laughs) but then you owned it then i was like you know what yeah like you shared it very humbly and very like you just held it, like you owned it, and I think that was a really amazing example to to, to everybody else. And yeah. we went last, but actually maybe we should have gone first because um, I think that just makes it safe for everyone else to say, "Hey, hold on!" Like we can look at our patterns and still be worthy, exactly. still feel like we are worthy human exactly. beings. That's actually the whole point of doing this in the first place. That no human being is void of shadows multiple ones you know we all have our have our demons and that doesn't make us any less perfect and beautiful definitely and for those listening i mean we pick these cards and they're they're not like light yeah they're not like angel cards full of positive stuff they're really the shadows are harsh yeah Mm -hmm. it's like rapist vampire murderer like you don't want to you don't want to read this (laughs) stuff about yourself and the thing is, we make every every person read quite a thorough description of the card and then of what it means to receive this card. 
And it's, it's, I have to say, like, real bravery to everyone that comes on our retreat, because to read it out loud in front of a group, it is a bit uncomfortable, it's not really nice, but it's in that uncomfort that we sort of integrate it and we really make peace with, oh, I've just read this out in front of everyone and they're still looking at me with love yeah. and actually they're we loving know. us even more. Yes. And I think that is just really, really beautiful. So I think one of the, you know, one of the reasons why we share this is also, you know, this is not a normal yoga retreat where you just do yoga and relax and, you know, have some nice food and chill out on a hammock. Like this is, this is inner work and we realize that this is not for everyone. Not everyone wants to you know, read out their shadow in, in a room full of people. But if you are one of those people that wants to go within and is ready to put a bit of effort into it, you know, because we all want to go within, but then it's like, how much are we really willing to put our Do money work. where our mouth is really, you know, and actually make that effort and, and go through that discomfort to get the fruits of that go within. In fact, going back to that workshop, it's the, the perfect uh, analogy for this because we almost all always resist this going through the shadow, but you can tell just how needed it is and how healing it is by the end of the workshop, how high everyone is. Yeah. Everyone will be like floating their way to lunch yeah. and suddenly, yes, very much in love with themselves yeah. and each other and the world looks beautiful. And it's ironic that we always resist doing the thing that's actually going to set us free the most. Yeah. And I think, you know, something interesting is that sometimes, and a lot of the time, we almost resist the, sh- the light more than the shadow. And in fact, like with this retreat, everyone's lights were very beautiful because they were just sort of one step forward from where they actually really saw themselves and sort of ha- stretching that gap from where we are to where our potential is and, and having people around us hold that like, yes, you are this, mm-hmm. is really, really powerful. And it's so beautiful because by the end of the retreat, you just start calling people by their light, yeah. <laughs> not by their name. Yeah. And I think that's a really powerful part of, of, of this exercise as well. Definitely. Most empowering. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in fact, you know, I, I just, I still remember light cards that people picked on our very first retreat yeah, i do too actually. and i think of them and i think of the light <laughs> yes i do too it's amazing it's really really sweet i do too so what other aspects of the retreat were the ones that touched you the most do you think well i think this time what touched me the most was how interested in meditation the group was mm-hmm. i think this was the retreat where we did the most meditation which is nice and that was partly because it was a bit hot in the morning, so we missed yoga one of the days. But we basically did meditation morning and evening every every night, every morning and night, which we haven't done on previous retreats. And I think that was really, really nice because I always hope that people will leave this retreat and start meditating, you know, maybe not daily, but you know, more and more in their life. So it touched me that I could share that with people because it's something that you know changed me a lot. And being able to meditate together in that environment, especially the first night, it was, no, the second night, it was the Friday night, mm-hmm. we were in, in the dome, which is at the main workshop space, and it was night time, we had the candles on, and we did a meditation, and it felt so powerful. And in fact, when I teach people how to meditate for the first time, I usually never leave it longer than five to seven minutes, because more than seven minutes for a beginner, they get bored, they can't concentrate, and then they feel, I can't do this, it's too long. So mm-hmm. I usually keep it, you know, max seven minutes. And this time, 
I think we went over 12 minutes and it felt like everyone was still focused and concentrating and I think at least two or three of them had never ever done meditation before so I think to experience that depth of meditation together is really really nice I really agree actually I was I actually only noticed that we did a lot more meditation than yoga at the end because we also did the tea ceremony twice, which is also a meditation. Um, and I think it's really beautiful because you go on a yoga retreat expecting to do a lot of yoga. <laughs> we did one yoga class. Um, yeah, we only did one. But I think that's really good because um, yoga is very accessible nowadays. There are a lot of different studios, a lot of different teachers. If you're interested in yoga, you can pretty much find any class that you're going to resonate with and you know everyone has access to it but meditation is uh, I think a bit more rare I think very few yoga teachers are actually teaching meditation at the end of their classes and I think very few yoga teachers are actually meditating themselves quite probably. possibly yeah so for people who are interested in meditation I think it's a lot harder to find somewhere to learn and okay you can find a guided meditation on YouTube, but it's just, when you're a beginner, it's just that little bit harder. So to find a group is a very powerful thing. And really the purpose of yoga is to prepare you for meditation. So it's great if you're into yoga and you're doing a lot of it, but if you're not meditating, you're kind of losing the, the gold. You're doing all the work without getting the best part. So I think, yeah, for us to have shared a lot of meditation, I'm really happy with because you know, if they liked the yoga on the retreat, they can now go and find a class easy. Yeah. But and meditation. Once you have that connection that comes from meditation, you can take that onto your mat, regardless of who's the teacher. Yeah. Because you have that. Yeah. You know, no one can really teach you that connection until you've experienced it in, in a sense. So yeah, I think that that those first tastes of connection are really, really magical and really, really important. And they, they sort of give you that compass going forward of how you want to feel and what are the things you need to do in your life to feel more like that. Mm -hmm. And that, that is definitely a gift. And I remember very clearly my first tastes of that connection. Uh, and those places and those people that were involved will be forever with me because it was just so magical. Definitely. <laughs> Um, I would say one of my favorite parts was actually the closing circle because that's always a very sort of moving and emotional part of the retreat where people are integrating everything that they've experienced and uh, you know we sort of facilitated for them by asking them to reflect on certain questions and something that you asked this time around which I thought was really beautiful and I've actually since started using it in my sessions <laughs> because I thought wow that's really a, a good way to look at something you asked everyone at the end to share what not only what they gained from the experience but how they're going to serve how they're going to use that to sort of pay it forward and I think that's a really powerful approach because we all need to experience a bit of that space and peace and healing. But if it's just for our own gain, I wouldn't say it's useless because, of course, we all need it. But how much more powerful to then say, OK, I found the gold. What am I going to do with it now? Because really, we're all here to make the world a better place. So to leave a retreat with that thought in mind, like, OK, what am I going to do next? I think is a really powerful thing. So definitely. You know, that, that question was actually inspired by um, something my teacher said to me, which was, if you 
get given a piece of knowledge, that knowledge only becomes yours when you share it to the right person. And I thought that was really, really interesting. So the knowledge only becomes yours when you share it. Of course, with that caveat of to the right person or right place, not you just go on a rooftop and shout, (laughs) God is here or something. Just put it on your Facebook. uh... Yeah, you know, you you do need to sort of respect the knowledge that you're sharing it to someone who is ready and interested. But um, yeah, I, I really like that. I think, wow, how lovely that that knowledge becomes ours, you know, becomes our blood when we're sharing it. So that touched me. And I think I almost actually preferred the second question that I asked, because I actually asked three questions, which was, uh, (laughs) we we kind of didn't really stick to the structure very well. I asked, what was your biggest takeaway? And what's, how are you going to say, and what's one thing you're going to do to keep nourishing this connection? Uh And I think that's also really interesting, because obviously when you're on retreat, it's easy to feel connected and... You've yeah. sort of stepped into a whole new world, but moving forward is very, very difficult because on the retreat you have all the support you need and in your everyday life you probably don't have that. So making that commitment to say, okay, everything I've achieved in this retreat, everything I've tasted, if I want to sustain it going forward, I do need to commit something yeah. into this. Discipline and, is needed. Yeah, and I think this is something we really underestimate. You know, I, I meet a lot of people at Sanya who have these wellness goals and sp- spiritual goals, <laughs> if that's not an oxymoron. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, we do have sort of aspirations, but we sometimes focus too much on the aspiration itself and not enough on what we're willing to do to get there. And I think that's really important because at the end of the day, that's the only thing we can control is sort of what we put in. It's, you know, like going to the gym and wanting to get a six pack and only doing one sit up, you know, (laughs) in a way like with spirituality, even more that we expect that it shouldn't be hard work because it is our birthright. But at the same time, we do need to put in the reps, you know, to, to nourish that connection. So I think that's something really really important and I always ask myself how can I support people more after the retreat to Mm -hmm. to be able to do that because Mm -hmm. it's not easy and as you said you know this technological rat race that we're living in it's it's very easy to get disconnected and most people don't live or surround themselves by people who are necessarily sharing their goals Mm -hmm. so it's very easy to get off track which is a very powerful thing me and you actually had a conversation about this on the way to the retreat I remember and it actually really impacted me a lot that conversation uh, it was really a reminder to sort of choose the way I'm spending my time more wisely. I remember you were telling me, you know, and maybe listeners have heard this already, but for me it was like, oh, quite quite an interesting thing, um, that we are most, I can't remember how you worded it, but you are most like the five people you spend most of your time with. So if you are wanting to cultivate a more of a practice of yoga, meditation and speak, uh, Peace. That's both peace and space in <laughs> one. That's my rat race trying to merge words together to save time. Um, if you want a life with more space and peace, then you need to surround yourself by people who are sharing those values. Yeah. Hanging out at the casino is not going to help. <laughs> so, and that's not necessarily very easy because maybe you have only just recently stepped into this world and everyone else around you, people that you love very much, are living a completely different life and you suddenly feel oh I need to make a change and I need to not see these people anymore and I need to spend more time with those people and it becomes actually 
quite a disruptive thing and the last thing we want actually is for our retreat to have that effect on someone to cause stress going home thinking oh how am I now going to fit this into my life there's no space for it Uh, and people start making all these radical changes and on the one hand we need to make radical changes but at the same time we don't want to completely disrupt our life and just you know cut off all these people who we, we actually love very much just because they're living a, sl- a slightly different lifestyle. Yeah, it's you know a balance and it's a very delicate thing. I think it's something Amorta, that we struggle with a lot because we're such a tight-knit community and very often our circles and our friendships keep us a bit stuck in one way. Even just for the simple fact of if our friends are used to seeing us one way and suddenly we change, it's just sort of causes a bit of turbulence in a relationship. And it's something that I hear a lot of people struggle with and sometimes we see it as black or white that I'm either going to spend all of my time with them or I'm going to just completely cut them out of my life and the reality is that the best way is the middle path where we you know bring in we focus more on what we're bringing in than Instead what we're taking out you know, I so focus on that. the love as opposed to what we need to reject yes and and just keep that loving glance even towards the things that are maybe not serving us so much because rejecting them is still a sort of power dynamic mm-hmm. you know we're, we're, whether you're pushing or you're pulling you're still in that dynamic of push pull whereas if you just don't push or pull but you just focus on okay let me spend more time here let me make this choice mm-hmm. a bit of both yes and just love 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 both of them yes. whenever they happen to be there and i think the key is to not try to change the people when you go home and you think oh, I learned about, for example, vegetarian food or yoga, and you go back and you try and get your, you know, whoever's closest to you who's not sharing those values, you think, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring this into their life and change them for the better. And that almost always causes a lot more problems than, than you would think. Yes. <laughs> you think oh, I mean, this is just another very common challenge. Yes, and in fact, we even spoke about this uh, on the retreat because when we think, okay... When we ask them, how are you going to share this going forward? A lot of us might think, okay, I'm going to share this with all my friends and family. But if you're not careful, sharing can very easily turn into changing someone. And judging. And judging. Very good Like, where you are is not good. Let me tell you where you need to be. (laughs) Exactly. I know better because I've just experienced it on retreat. And maybe that's true for you, but nobody likes to... Nobody likes to be changed from a place of judgment. It has to come from inspiration. So often, well, what we said on the retreat when this came up was that we need to each just live those values and that might inspire them to change and it might not. And either way, that's okay. But to go in and judge someone's behavior and think, okay, I'm going to change you. It's not, it's not a... It's not welcomed, actually, yeah. and you're going to damage those yeah. relationships. Uh, and you said it on retreat, you said, you know, let's focus on being an invitation. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's really beautiful. And yeah, I think, you know, being that invitation is a very, very harmonious approach that in a world of selling and persuading is such a contrast that I think sometimes people almost get even more curious because... It's almost like, you know, you're, you're keeping it to yourself. So it's kind of like more curious. I'm like, oh, what you got there? <laughs> it's like, must be precious if you're just, you know, keeping it all to yourself. And, <laughs> that's a good point. Uh, yeah, I think that's, that's always really, really beautiful. And yeah, it's, it's something that I think, you know, is a very common struggle of 
how can we share without judging without judging and without separating and I think the beauty of the spiritual path is that there's no formula it's such a mystical journey and that moment of transformation just it cannot be forced it just literally cannot you can take someone and have them meditate a hundred times and they might not feel anything Mm -hmm. and then another person might jump in that first time and feel it and you know I like that as well because it's not mechanical all we can do is prepare the space in our hearts and when that moment comes be grateful that it's there and when it doesn't come release any attachment to that seeking or wanting something which of course is not always that easy (laughs) the attachment part I mean we say it like it's really easy just you know let go of the attachment no problem but when you're in that uh, moment whether it's attachment to a feeling in meditation or or quite frankly anything in our lives that we can get attached to quite easily um, to let go of those things is not easy at all so I think we need to approach it with a bit more sort of humility I wonder if you you know we, we just spoke about the seeking Mm-hmm. And I think this is something very interesting because you need to seek to find. But sometimes there's pain in that seeking. I don't know where I'm going with this, obviously, <laughs> okay. but it's an I interesting had an, topic okay. to discuss. I'm I sure had an idea. Interesting to say about <laughs> I, actually did, I actually did have an idea. It's kind of takes me back to my interest in a non-dualistic approach to spirituality where you need to be a seeker to find, but if you remain a seeker all your life, you'll never find. find. (laughs) So it's a catch-22. But we very often find ourselves in these situations when we take a more sort of spiritual outlook on life. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I find that that really interesting. We're going somewhere with that. That's it. That's the (laughs) juice. That's all I have. (laughs) No, but isn't isn't that interesting? Because you need to be... You need to be seeking without being a seeker. Yes, it's, it's quite a duality. It's quite a dichotomy, really. And mm-hmm. yeah, sometimes being a seeker feels good, and sometimes it doesn't. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes the longing for what we're seeking is so painful that mm-hmm. we just think, oh, I can't live like this. Mm-hmm. But then other times, that seeking feels really magical and beautiful, and like being in love and yes. having a lover. You know, there's that sort of relationship that even though you are missing someone it feels good because you have someone to miss mm-hmm. but then other times it's like damn it where are they <laughs> come back <laughs> it's quite funny and yeah i guess it's i guess there's no answer really no. it's just something you know one of the mysteries of the human experience that we just live through yeah in fact uh, every day i followed your advice you told me to do this a few months ago and i did it um you told me to write a manifesto and put it on my uh, little sort of altar space that I where I meditate every day and read it every day. And I thought, oh, that's a really simple thing. But actually, it's a very powerful thing too. So I did it and I read it every morning. And uh, one of the lines is, live in the mystery. Because we, we, we can never answer the biggest questions in life. But just in asking the question itself, there's some sort of satisfaction, yeah. just in the wondering. Yes, it's, you know, the human mind wants certainty and security, mm-hmm. but it just, the spiritual part doesn't work like that. And we really have to learn to just... Let it go. Let it go, <laughs> live in the mystery. Yeah. I forgot I gave you that advice. Yeah. I should take my own advice. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, I'm so, I'm like manifesto crazy. I, it's like my manifesto is tattooed to the inside of my forehead. Do you know yours by heart? 
I don't have it like specifically written out. Oh, what? You gave me I the know, advice. I don't have one of my own advice. Do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> but honestly, I, I'm so, you know, I'm very goal oriented. Mm-hmm. So I think I wake up every morning with a lot of clarity of why I'm doing what I'm doing and what I need to do. And maybe that will change at some point. But uh, yeah, I feel like, yeah, the manifesto is being lived really. But yes. I'm sure it's and nice it should to put be. It into words. It's it's obviously only really powerful if you're living it. If it's just <laughs> written and sits there forever, then there's no point. I'm just going through my photos to try and find it to read it to you because embarrassingly I do not know it by heart. But anyway, I can't find it. So not only did I actually write it down, but I had a very good friend of mine who's a talented artist in Morocco paint it for me. So it's really beautiful, oh. and I'm gonna get it framed and, and I'm gonna take it. Of it. That's a good idea. I didn't think of that. <laughs> but the last two lines on it would actually make great lyrics because it says, live in the mystery. No, live in the... Oh, I can't remember which way around it is. <laughs> live in the mystery, live in the moment. There's the last two Sounds lines. Sounds like a great chorus. It. it is. I'm going to write a song this afternoon. There you go. <laughs> so what do you think? Any last things to share on the retreat? Or on anything, really? I mean, I feel like we should talk more about the Oasis, but mm-hmm. um, I'm not really sure what, what else there is to say. Just Well, I, I, I think we should mainly just sort of promote that it's there because Pepe, the, the guy who's behind it, is doing an incredible job and he's one of very, very few people on the island who... On the island? On the island who's very seriously working for the environment. Yeah. Um, and he's really created an incredible sanctuary. So for those of you that have never been, you can go and check it out. He runs courses on permaculture. He also runs it as an Airbnb. No? Okay, we're going to cut that part out. <laughs> no, <laughs> I wasn't sure. sure. You, you can definitely go and, and spend some nights on the farm. I think all the info is on their website, so you can, you can find it there. I think the, the, the main thing to say about Peppy is that he has a very unique approach to his relationship to the land. And I think that is something very, very beautiful. And the word steward of the land is really appropriate in Peppy's case. Like he's not the owner of the land. He's really the steward of it. And he's lives with a certain depth of connection to the land and to his own self and I think that is something that we all had back in the day when we were cavemen (laughs) you know we lived feeling like we don't own this there was no owning back then we were just stewards we'd take care of this patch that we happened to be living in and you you definitely get that feeling at the oasis that and this might sound really esoteric but I honestly do believe this that the nature recognizes that mm-hmm. the nature knows when it's being cared for and it's when it's being respected and treated with a certain love and i feel like the nature responds mm-hmm. to that and you feel the energy is so supportive of the retreats and again you know to most people this might sound a bit crazy but to me it's been an experience where one we have brilliant weather every time we do the retreat I that's mean, just true literally i mean we packed up the retreat and it started raining yeah like we, we did the retreat in December and it was the only three sunny days of that whole two week period. And even more than that, you know, there were key moments on the retreat. There was in the last tea ceremony, 
And this is something that in Bali they're very aware of, that whenever deep truth is spoken, nature responds. And they have it with these geckos that make this... Can you make the noise? <laughs> yeah, that noise. <laughs> I could never have done that. <laughs> yeah, they make that noise. And whenever someone speaks the truth, you hear this gecko going like... <laughs> yeah. And yeah, we had this really powerful moment at the end of the tea ceremony when one of the people shared a prayer. And it was so heartfelt and we were all in tears we were all in tears we were all just shaken by the raw emotion and as soon as she finished sharing zulu peppy's dog just went oh which he never does i've never heard him do that before you know he just it's really really quite rare he might bark sometimes but to howl to howl like that was really and for me it was very much that sign and that confirmation that we're there on the retreat with the land and the nature. It's such a deep communion. It's such a togetherness. And I think that is something quite hard to experience. Even if you go to some beautiful beaches in Malta, there isn't that same connection yeah. and communication and relationship with nature. Definitely. That I think, you know, I mean, we could do the retreat anywhere. We could choose a farmhouse. We can choose more luxurious places. But nothing will compare to that connection to nature which is a massive part of, of what we do yeah and Peppy has really poured his heart into that place over many many years and in fact having him join us for the tea ceremony for all of our meals uh, for the fire ceremony as well um, added a, a really powerful thing as well because I think there's very few male role models when it comes to spirituality uh, in general and especially in Malta so to have him there sort of very powerfully but calmly sort of walking the land he has a certain presence about him you know and he just sort of adds that special touch i think when he joins us and he talks to us about nature and permaculture and there's a lot of wisdom in in what he says so that's definitely a plus yeah definitely any man listening this who want to experience you know the land and and Pepe's wisdom and just yeah that uh reconnection to the essence of being a man in the wild uh, definitely check out what Pepe's doing because I know he's doing some events specifically for men and uh, I think that's beautiful I mean we always joke because every retreat we have one token guy with us <laughs> um, but it's actually so beautiful because they always add something really amazing yeah. and I have to say all the men we've had have been very inspirational in the way that they have gone within and really gone to a depth and vulnerability that you don't see very often mm-hmm. so really respect all all mm-hmm. the men on our retreat you all know who you are if you're listening in fact it's funny because nowadays in sort of spiritual slash hippie circles all over the world there's this like rise of the feminine you know and the feminine needs to heal from all of the uh, sort of trauma that has been caused to her and there's a lot of focus on the feminine but actually there's a lot that the masculine also needs to heal because men have been equally involved in in trauma over the centuries. And so whenever a man joins us for the retreat, I think it's really beautiful because there's always like a circle of women all on this healing journey and one man who's being sort of held by all these women. I don't know, there's something deep about that. And and I think it just, it always works out perfectly. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, you hit hit the nail right on the head there. That's you know, men need this work almost even more than women do. And it's, I think, harder for them to get the, the support that they need along the journey because this journey is so intense and so, it's so beautiful, but it's, it's challenge, it challenges us, obviously. And I think having the right support is very important and it's not always easy to find. So, 
Yeah, anyone listening to this, um, definitely check out Peppy and the Bahri Oasis. But I think that's enough about boosting Peppy's ego now. <laughs> <laughs> we won't tell him we spoke about him, okay, so he yeah, won't nobody, hear Nobody tell him all the nice things we said about him. <laughs> <laughs> We're actually seeing him later today and recording some music with him. Yeah. So, any, any last words about the retreat? Um... I would like to just set an intention for the next retreat that I would actually like to bring a bit more music into it. Um, music is always part of it. I always do like a little bit of sound healing and we have the creativity workshop where I'm not playing music, but we're talking a lot about art and music in general. Um, but this time in particular, I really felt that I don't know. I wanted to create more of a space for it, and I and I didn't this time around. Mm-hmm. So I think I was actually surprised by that. In fact, I thought you were gonna do more of a sound healing. Yeah, I just you know I like I said at the beginning, we're very spontaneous and we go by the feeling. And at the beginning, when I was packing all my stuff, I was just not feeling that that was necessary. I don't know. I I was like maybe I'll just sing like five or ten minutes after meditation, right? And then we said, oh, okay, we'll just do that. And then as the retreat was going on, I thought it would actually be really beautiful to have more music. And I didn't have all the tools with me. So for the next one, Great. art, music, movement and creativity might play a bigger role. Definitely. <laughs> I think the sound healing is always beautiful. Yeah. It's actually kind of hard because we only have two nights or yeah. three nights. Um, but it's kind of hard to fit everything in. Well, it's two nights because the first night is they arrive in the evening. So it's just yeah. a welcoming dinner. We don't yeah. usually do I think it also depends much. on the group because if, so, you know, some people sometimes people arrive early and you have time to do a meditation or a, something yeah. on the first night, but yeah. we don't always manage. So, yeah, it's hard to fit in. There's a lot of juicy things to do on retreats. Yes, and in you know, in three and a half days, it's incredible how much you can transform in a short amount of time. But we're always left wanting more, and I think yeah. hopefully in the future we'll be able to hold some longer retreats. Uh, me and you were also talking about the possibility of doing some retreats abroad as well to sort of combine it with a holiday. Um, so for those of you who are interested in more retreats, just keep keep in touch with us. Um, we have some special things planned for you. Yeah, definitely. And you want, if you want specific info about the retreats and just uh, contact us and let us know that you're specifically interested in that. So we'll make sure you get that info. We actually already have the date set, I think, for the next one, right? Yeah, the next... That's, that's a good good remembering. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so the next retreat is going to be in the first weekend of October. So it's going to be the 3rd to the 6th of October. And again, it's going to be at uh, Pepe's Beautiful Oasis. So if you're interested in that, then let us know because we have some early bed special offers into that. And yeah, I think... And if those dates don't work for you, like I said, we'll be planning one abroad somewhere. Uh, and we yeah, always... I, think, always... I mean, we love doing retreats and honestly, the more interest we get, the more often we'll host them. So yeah, if you feel like those dates don't work for you, but you are interested another time, just let us know. And, you know, if we get, if we get enough requests and we'll just create other groups because... Really, we can only take you know a limited amount of people to Peppies. We keep it small and intimate because you need that intimacy to create safety to really open up. Mm-hmm. And of course, Peppies uh, accommodation is also limited. So yeah, more more retreats would be great for for me. I'd love to be yeah. on retreat more often. Frequently, I agree. Amazing. So I hope we've given you a little taste of life on the retreat. Uh, the the reality is that it's impossible to really convey 
exactly the magic of what went down <laughs> those yeah. four days um, but the reality is that you need to experience it for yourself from the inside as that's when these words will actually take on meaning for your own life and, and become yours so if you are interested I really do encourage you because I know you know there's always time and money and you know different things that we've got going on in our lives but honestly to, to invest in our spiritual connection for me it's just not a luxury anymore like it really is a necessity and especially if you're feeling anxious or stressed out then this is really something that can benefit you so just contact us if you want any more information about that and we love talking about it so you'll probably get an overload of information but not the schedule <laughs> <laughs> So thanks, Sam, for taking the time to have this chat with you, Jet Off. And thank you to our listeners. And yeah, I appreciate your time to listen to this message that comes from the depth of our heart. And we'll see you soon. Thank you. Holiday tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. Did you know there are over 10,000 wine grape varieties worldwide? Here's to thousands of gift possibilities. My go-to holiday wine is Chardonnay. I love it with turkey and potatoes. Pile on the gravy. Let me show you our more than 8,000 party-perfect wines that are in your budget and out of this world. Whether you're entertaining or just bringing the wine, we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection with you this holiday. Now offering same-day delivery at TotalWine.com. Cheers! Holiday tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. Did you know there are over 10,000 wine grape varieties worldwide? Here's to thousands of gift possibilities. My go-to holiday wine is Chardonnay. I love it with turkey and potatoes. Pile on the gravy. Let me show you our more than 8,000 party-perfect wines that are in your budget and out of this world. Whether you're entertaining or just bringing the wine, we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection with you this holiday. Now offering same-day delivery at TotalWine.com. Cheers!